Hello, I'm Jensen Beeler. And I'm Quentin Wilson. And together we are the Two Enthusiasts Podcast. Quentin, air high five for getting that right on the first try. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, this show is already off to a good start. And I can say that because we had a little drama before we uh, got the recorder going. Why don't you tell our listeners what a bonehead you are? Yeah, okay. Bonehead move <laughs> was I have a XR650, uh, affectionately known as the Sex Fitty, and I had... Uh, Forgotten to go get gas, or actually, I knew that's the problem is that when I got on the mm-hmm. bike, it was on reserve and I knew it. No excuse. I, and I knew it. I was like, I'm going to make it over the river. I was, I was convinced. I was like, I'll be fine. I've only gone, I don't know, 10 miles on reserve. I didn't make it over the river. I ended up in the worst spot in Portland off of a, a highway exit slash entrance right on the waterfront. Like you can't, you couldn't get worse. Like I couldn't push it up and out. Oh, it just, there was, there was the most dangerous spot that I could think of. I was thinking about that while I was, while I was watching you uh, fill it up. Uh, I was like, Hmm, this really like nine out of 10 difficulty rating. Um, Imagine what I was thinking when I was like coasting. Yeah. I was coasting down that thinking, what the F am I going to do, man? And it's not like you could have pushed it up because that's even worse. You can't go backwards. It put me in harm's way and I couldn't, oh, there's, it's hard to explain it, but it was just a crux. Yeah. But when I did finally coast to a spot where a bunch of bums had, had made a hole in the chain link fence that goes down to basically what is the esplanade, the waterfront uh, I don't know what you'd call it. Just a, it's a waterfront walkway. So I managed to creep through the hole, call you, leave the bike out there, hope nobody crashed into it. And then, uh, you were able to miraculously head and I would say in pretty good time considering it all worked when, out. Yeah. when it all happened, the traffic was heavy and it just seemed to lighten yeah. up within That's what you should minutes. preface. It, it was rush hour. It was, it was gnarly, but it was amazing that even just the amount of time it took you to get there, it was good. So we got gas on it. This isn't the first time somebody's had to do this in recent times, uh, but you know, there's the commute for me. Yeah, nobody cried, nobody died. Yep, bike will live again. Yep, good, good story. Yep, we got to get to it because yep. this is probably going to end up being part one of our Ikema wrap up because there's just too much to get through in a timely manner, and I don't want to make like a three hour show for anybody to to wrestle with. Especially, uh, I think we're trying to keep the file sizes down too, so people can. <clears throat> Download it over their cellular service if they want to. Right on. Whatever we can do to make it easier for everybody. Yeah. And whatever we can do to make it easy on us. Because there is a veritable cornucopia of Italian motorcycles that have just come out. Yeah, I think so. I think this episode will tackle the Italians because that seems to be about 50% of what came out. And then uh, look for another episode probably in a day or so from this one uh, that cover the other European manufacturers, American manufacturers, the... Japanese. Japanese manufacturers, thank you. So, without further ado, let's let's just just let's jump into it. I wanna I wanna start with <clears throat> our go-to whipping boy of Ducati. Whipping boy, not okay. really a whipping boy. All right. Another kind of a whipping boy. Sure, we're yeah. fanboys and whipping boys. Yeah, sure. Well, the the fans are usually the biggest critics, aren't they? Right. For sure. Okay. For sure. So we get we start small with the Scrambler sixty two. Right? Yeah. Okay, we, we so 62. First off, spelled 60, S-I-X-T-Y, number two. Two. So so cool. <sighs> Too cool for school. Pretty confusingly lame. I don't, you know. So a lot of people are like, what does that mean? It's the first year of the Scrambler. It was 1962. They're trying to <clears throat> harken back to that. Fair right. enough. Right. Uh, to have it spelled out like that, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I don't get it. Maybe they just didn't want it to be 
confused with the CC size because they made a 620 monster and 62 and right. I mean, for, so on the first time I saw it, I'm like, what is that? What? No, totally. I mean, anytime you see a number and a motorcycle name, it usually refers Engine. to displacement. So. Yeah. so what they did with this bike is took a Scrambler 800. It looks like the same frame. I mean, there really would be no reason to change the frame. They put a steel swing arm on it. They put <clears throat> right side up forks. That yeah. means not the, so the stanchions are uh, uh, chrome chrome tubes clamped to the triple clamp, and then down to uh, slider tubes that are that house the axle, as opposed to to an upside down, stiffer, more expensive fork. Uh, not a big deal uh, uh, for a bike like this. It's actually I'm surprised they came out with an upside down fork on the other one. To be honest with you. Uh, so that was uh, the other thing. Uh, the fuel tank doesn't have the side covers, so it's just one piece fuel tank. Um, the engine has been uh, sleeved down and de-stroked to be 400 cc's, which is the crux. Well, that's not the crux. Okay, so it's a 400 cc twin. Uh, this is not their first rodeo for making a 400. For a very, very long time, they've made uh, <clears throat> 400 SS's or Monster 400s for uh, different markets that have stepped licensing systems. In this case. They're 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 just bringing it to the United States. The crux of this is the fact that it's eight thousand dollars, or that is what they are suggesting that the retail price will be in the United States. Yeah, that's um, in fact, if you go onto the Scrambler site and you scroll down near the tech specs, that's the price they list seven nine nine five. So and the new mon- or the the Scrambler for this coming year, at least the Icon, I believe, is going to be eighty eight hundred and that up from eighty four or eighty five. Yeah. I haven't seen anything to. Uh, definitive on that but i would be very surprised if it didn't get closer to nine grand one to make some some room for the 62 and two like it never really made sense that that bike was cheaper than the others it's not like there was a big difference between like the full throttle the urban dura the icon and the um classic you you didn't see that i mean i see the difference but like from a cost perspective i don't really see like why one is 500 dollars cheaper than the other in a really meaningful way you know there's some there's some pipes there's some paint there's, there's a lot style. of stuff on at least the urban enduro there's a lot of yeah, crap on that thing and nickels and dimes are you. pretty good but like the icon versus the classic exactly i get the, the spoked wheels it's like hmm mm-hmm. really but especially consider like what their cost is on that they're making a little they're making a little bit more margin on that nothing wrong with that though because the dealers need that for a bike that has that is at that price point they're not making a whole lot so they're trying right. to get as much as possible fair right. enough no i get it. i get it i just if it was me, it, make, it makes more sense if they're closer in price. Let's okay, well, way. fair enough. So, but that's not the crux. The crux is this bike, yeah, relative to other bikes. Right. And so, there's not many of these bikes in the space. There's no scrambler. Well, there hadn't been any scramblery, quasi off-roady, but not really. Yeah. Uh, mainly, mainly a lifestyle bike, right? This is mainly a lifestyle bike Absolutely. made to look make to hearken to the days of scrambling, but really isn't. If, if the adventure bike is to the 40, 50 year old, the scramblers to what the 20, 30 year old is looking at. Yes. That's the interesting thing for me. And, and you know, it's funny that we start with the scrambler 62 as our first bike in the show, because there are so many scramblers coming out of Ikema. Like if you could talk about Ikema in just one sentence, it would be scramblers. There's just, well, BMW, would you, would you, you say scramblers or would, would you Guzzi. say, <sighs> copiers or riding the ride riding the bang wagon right it's not copiers because ducati's been copy i mean really triumph was the first to market a scrambler with a large heavy yes. bike that really yes. wasn't really i mean but, it's the same not, type of thing not in the same way i mean the, tri- the triumph scrambler has been around for for a while it's been in the space since the mid-2000s maybe yeah i don't even know 
well, all, all and, I know that, is- and that's my point. Like it, it's been <clears throat> in the space for so long that, but it never really did anything. The, the interesting thing for me, and I remember actually writing this in a story. Uh, I did a three piece op-ed on what Harley Davidson needs to do to fix itself. And it was right around the start of the recession. It was right when they were getting rid of Buell and MV Augusta and they were doing things with the union and layoffs and they're falling walls down. And, and one of the things I wrote about was how, Harley Davidson needs to hit the scrambler space. They need to tap into the younger rider market. I was saying cafe racers, scramblers, look at what's hip right now. Yeah. You know, like, like, right. Like our friends at bike XF, like sure. they, they've tapped into that scrambler cafe vein. And I, I was having the same conversation with some other journalist friends from, of mine from um, Canada moto guide. And, you know, they were, they were praising Ducati for, for creating the space. And it's like, you know, the space was already here. Ducati is just the first, I think OEM to really, latch onto it and now we're seeing the other brands come on in meaningful ways i don't know if they're really following ducati per se i think they're just slower to market with whatever it is they're building yep so uh, but that's really the only one in the space that is that is an exact analog there's really there's only ones are coming uh but as far as what's in the space as far as low cc model machines the hondas the kawasaki's the yamaha's whatever that are in the same price range was nothing because this thing's so much more expensive. Right. right? So if I am consumer that really just has to have a Ducati, which is where this, this is going to play off of that more than anything is that people are going to want to have a Ducati and, and perhaps they're going to, they're, they're scared by the 800 CC because they don't understand that the 800 CC really doesn't have a whole lot of power, but it's enough power to get you in trouble. Right. Mm -hmm. You can pop a wheelie pretty easily on a scrambler 800 and get right into a wall so maybe they're looking at, I do want to start off on a smaller machine, but then you're looking at that 800 is, is sorry, that $8,000. Is that, is that a barrier to, to purchase? You know, here, here's, here's the thing that I, and maybe you disagree with this. Like, I don't know if over time the scrambler models are going to really bring in new people to, to the Ducati brand. I mean, obviously we're seeing a, a good response in sales, but I th- for me as a, as a person that enjoyed the Ducati brand, and, I, and I'm almost using that in the past tense. Like it's gotten so far away from where I've gone to. Like now I'm starting to get like that sour taste in the mouth where like before, like if you accuse me of being a Duke you'd be like, yeah, okay. I got two in my garage. Yeah. I totally get into it. Like I bought the brand. I I get it. Got it. Sold. But now I'm just kind of like, I don't know if I am. I'm I'm like, I'm an old school Ducati guy, but like, I don't identify with the scramblers at all. I don't identify with the Diablos at all. Um, You know, the multi I kind of like, but, I don't know. I definitely feel like the brand has changed. And I'm wondering how many people have gotten alienated from the brand because when you look at the sales, the scrambles are very strong and everything else is very weak. And well, I shouldn't say very weak, but they're not growing. There's there's almost no growth in the non-scrambler models. And I wrote a story about this uh, last week if you want to dig through the yeah. site and find it. And I wonder if that's a response to what the core uh, Ducati customer is feeling about the brand. Or maybe that's just where the product line is and, and where the, the company is right now in the, in the cycle of things. I don't know. I think time will tell on that. Yeah, sure. I agree. And I think it's also a, a, it's a comment on the other brands as well because BMW has done an excellent job with their superbikes and their adventure touring, just just owning the market. Not owning it, but you know, at least getting in there and mixing it yeah. up and keeping Ducati from having the market share. The, the S1000RRs, not just because the bike is hits all the numbers, but because they have, they have some pretty good systems to get you in, get you financed, yep. and get you down the road with a really low payment, right? Yeah. Uh, they call it balloon payments. This is something we could probably get into on, a, on another f- podcast. But they have a really good system for that, whereas Ducati doesn't. 
So Ducati uh, Financial and uh, GE or whatever else has been funding them for years. Uh, Freedom Road for well, the right now it's time. Volkswagen, yeah. Well, they do, but it, that's a big, slow-moving thing. And when they first came on, this is a couple of years ago, we started dealing with them. It was apparent that they wanted to be involved. They wanted to get into it. And there's some really good people that are running that uh, back at, at at the home in uh, in uh, Washington, right? Or Virginia, as it as it were. But the, the bottom line is it's just, it's they're looking at motorcycle industry. It's such a drop in the bucket for them sure. that it's tough to get any movement at all to get better. So that I, I I'm I'm saying for some, as somebody that has been on the inside for a long time, I think that's been a, a huge reason why BMW has done so well. Triumph, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to see some numbers. I'm not really sure from a Euro standpoint. They've been selling a lot of stuff. We have a lot of shared BMW Ducati shops and Triumph Ducati shops. I will say this, the amount of fighting that the dealers do with the manufacturers and the amount of back and forth is heavy, like where they favor one manufacturer one year and another manufacturer another year. And it, it's just, you have to, you have to wet your finger and stick it up in the air and see which way it's going at any day. So it's a, it's a tough one. I don't know if I could blame Ducati for not making exciting product. You know, a, a, a Panigale is pretty wicked, but I'd rather have a 1098. I mean, it sucks. I'm, I'm as a, as a Ducatisti. I, it's not just because it has a trellis frame. It's just I, the sound, the feel, the vibes. They, they started to go away. And, and the things that I like. I'm not saying it's completely gone. They still, they still are raucous and loud and bitching and twins. But there's something missing for me. But I'm old school, and I, and I have yeah, to get away from that. I don't know if that's that's what it is for me. Like for me, like I like the Panigale as much as I like the 1098 as much as I like the 999. Like. I can see the pluses and minuses of all those bikes. I enjoy them in general, but for me, it's, it's, it's a larger issue. It's, it's where the brand is going. It's they're not doing as well in racing. They're, uh, you know, they're bringing in these, these new lines and like, like I kind of look at like a guy that buys, like someone that buys the 62, the scrambler 62 versus a guy that buys Panigale 1299 are completely different people. And I don't know if they see eye to eye as Ducatisti. So and I you think don't that's think... the problem. And I think that's possibly too why Ducati's doing the whole it's the Scrambler Ducati. It's a different brand yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. But I honestly don't think that uh that distinction was made very well or, or or genuinely enough. I don't think anyone's looking at the Scrambler and saying, like, oh well, that's actually a different brand. You can't no, they're the same. Everyone lumps them together. The distinction isn't there for me. You don't think that when these bikes were made in the sixties that that built enthusiast that then stuck with the brand through the 70s, 80s, and 90s. I mean, when I first got into the Ducati realm in the 90s, there were a lot of gray hairs buying those bikes. Not hating on gray hairs. I'm just saying that that's the way it was. There were a lot. Doctors, lawyers, and Indian chiefs that were buying these bikes that had had the scrambler. Even if the scrambler wasn't their bike when they were younger, it was part of the... It was part of the thing that they were always around. Ducati had been a brand that they knew it was recognizable. Yeah, I think I think it's I think the times are too different in a way. I think one motorcycles were a lot more different back then when there wasn't really a big distinction between a scrambler and a street bike and a race bike. Like the reality was like Yeah, true. It's an engine and frame, it's two wheels. A lot of people took a scrambler and did road racing or or something similar to that. They would they would have to do multiple things, flat tracking, whatever. And it gets back to that idea, like the end of the day, motorcycles aren't that different. We've definitely honed them in to be more task specific, but I'm not gonna sit there and pretend like like we know you and I have taken a Panigale off road and it did eighty percent fine. 
you know. 95%. Okay. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like yeah. I said, idea, like you put some Navi's right. tires on it and it can go off road. Yeah. Sure. Can it do everything a GS can? Nobody can do a lot of it. <laughs> can a GS do everything that a 250 can do? Nobody can do a lot of it. Yeah. You sure. know, if you really want to sure. get down to brass tacks, it's yep. they're not that different. But, but I think if you go back in time a little bit, the, the distinctions were even more blurred. There was a lot more overlap in that Venn diagram. And, and the other point I want to come to is, you know, the, the scrambler wasn't like this niche, hip, cool thing back in the 60s. You know, it was, it was a form of motorcycling. It was its own thing, sure. But it's not like how it is now where this is something that's very much de- defining a subculture. It's very much a certain group of motorcyclists and a certain group of people that are uh, engaging with this kind of what I call the post-heritage. That's not what just po- you called. That's the, the post-authentic. Post-heritage is what they, at the dealer meeting in, last year, 2014, September, when I, that was the first time I heard that buzz, buzzword, post-heritage. And they just stuffed it down the dealer right. network's throat. I, I like right? to call it post-authentic. <laughs> Because that's what it is to me. It's this idea, like <laughs> it's true. You're gonna you're gonna yeah. try and like some like someone my yeah. age, some some thirty year old is gonna pretend like they were the alive in the sixties. Oh come on! That's, you, but you that's what there's we're there's nothing about the about that, you that identifies. That's that. what we're seeing a lot of a lot of the uh, what when we when you just type in what is it hipster douchebag hipster bike videos right <laughs> yeah just and that, the that's fact the fact that right? that exists because there's so many people get out the grinder. Get out the the you know the 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 faux leather yeah. this and that and get on your bike with a half helmet and go ride around. You know what? Not hating on them. People want to get in the wind and enjoy motorcycling in that no. way, but it it's not that. It's like post authentic. It's not really authentic right. for right. most of those people. I, I, and I have two things to say with that. One is because someone gave me some crap about it on the site the other day, and they were totally right because at the end of the day, it's a person on a motorcycle yeah. and they're motorcycling, sure. and God bless them because yep. that's what it's all about. And, you know, they're approaching a motorcycle in a different way than I am. And that's where the issue comes from. It's like, you're motorcycling differently than me. Same as that whole argument. Same as what we were just talking about with the, with the Bonneville. Exactly. Similar thing. Exactly. We gotta, we gotta embrace the fact, even if I don't like the bike that people are out there and they love their bike and they enjoy it. Right. And that's, and that's, that's what it's all about. And, And so there's that, but the one thing I come back to, and, you know, we talk about the scrambler as kind of like a loss leader or as a gateway drug into the Ducati brand. I'll be very curious to see if that's true because I, the cynic in me, and this is, this comes back to the, you're motorcycling different than, than I am. So, you know, understand that I'm already wrong before I say this, I'm already going down a road. I I disagree with, but, but that's what's inside me. Sure. The idea that I don't know how many of these guys are going to be in motorcycles from five years from now. Are they really a legitimate point? Are they really going to keep echeloning up the, uh, the Ducati ladder? Or is it one of those things where like, yeah, I bought a 62, you know, when it came out in 2016 and I rode that for a couple of years and, and then it turned out that hoverboards were the cool new thing. And that's what, um, all my, you know, friends got into. So I got into hoverboards. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like it's one of those things where, um, we always have that. The industry has always had that. And I've been watching it now for 20 some odd years. So I, I saw the wave of this happen in the late nineties, uh, when I was working at a shop in LA uh, with the Monster Dark, 750 Dark, man. We sold so many of those bikes at that time. And it was, right, it was I watched those people come and go. Some have stayed in it, but, you know, yeah. it would be interesting to see the, the percentage. How many are still, how many people that bought 750 Monsters in 1999 are still riding motorcycles? Right. right? I wonder if we can get that that information. I doubt Ducati would cough that up. Doubt it. Yeah, but it'll be so. So when we get to like episode like nine hundred and thirty, sure, and, we'll have and look back on this, we can see we can see where this has been. 
Uh, my 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 final thought is just I just hope it's it's Ducati isn't chasing a short term fad at risk of its long term core brand. And that's all I gotta say about that. I and I I don't think it is, but there it is. So bottom line, looks like a nice bike. We'll see. Uh, the next one that I would talk about would be the the hypers, which are largely unchanged. Yeah, uh, they just got a, a bump. You own one. Yeah, I. Um, I produced a video a long time ago. If you look it up on YouTube, it's Pleasant Hyper Motard Ride. And there's a lot of hits on that sucker because there's just me video riding, riding, riding. I'm on the road, and then boom, I go off road and go rip for a little bit. Right. The ripping and the tearing, right? Ripping and tearing. I, I mean, enjoy I think the. We bike. actually published that video. What's that? I think we published that video not knowing that was you that. Oh that yeah. Videoed it. That yeah. was before. That was the yeah. Interesting. All right. So bottom line, I enjoy the bike. Uh, a lot of people don't enjoy that bike that are uh, that that were into the last model, the yeah. the eleven hundred air cooled, yeah. because it didn't have the same punch, the 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 brap, the the low end. So what I'm hoping and what it looks like, if you look at the power numbers, they didn't give any graphs; they just gave power numbers and torque numbers, and it looks like the torque is up significantly. And I'm hoping in the graph of the torque that it's up lower. Um, but other than that, they really didn't do a whole lot. Other than the SP has Olin's forks instead of Marzocchi. Which is interesting. It, well, it's not. I mean, it's not that interesting because Marzocchi is kaput, right? But, but it's interesting the fact that a lot of brands are sticking with Marzocchi, and Marzocchi basically no said intended. that um, they are going to be supporting it for for you know all their obligations. It sounds like they have a lot of stock actually okay. uh, left over. Well, so that's the last one reason I say it's surprising because because it yeah Marzocchi is going out of business, uh, but it sounds like they are going to linger around for a little while longer. So I saw MV Augusta still has Marzocchi. Um, there's another bike out there as well. So, I mean, it doesn't surprise me. In fact, I'm kind of jealous. I wish I had the Owens forks on my bike too. But I'm going to say I don't think it matters one mm. bit in performance. No, no, I'm no, going to sure. say that straight no. up. Not even a little bit. I'm sure the Marzocchi is, a, is as good, if not possibly better. But the Owens is proven... It, it, you you can't go wrong with it. You just can't. Even even the stuff that is designed in Sweden but built in and in, in Japan, which is most production forks, they're great. It's well done stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, and that, and that comes back. We we talked. Uh, I don't know how many podcasts ago we talked about Akrapovich and the B two B that they're doing to get their name out there. In fact, yeah. uh, I saw a couple uh, bikes at the Eichmann show. Launch with the Akrapovich logo on it, which the I thought Aprilia. was really interesting. That, that Super the, Whammy Aprilia. The Super Whammy Aprilia, the Winter Test. Um, Cowie. Cowie. Yep. The BMW Scrambler. Uh, it's not like a huge logo, but you can see it's yeah, laser sure. uh, etched. So, that you know, I think the Olens is the same thing. In fact, Olens did it before Akrapovich did. They were very, very good at getting their brand out there and getting it recognized as, as a premium product and, and creating value for motorcycle manufacturers. So it's like, you know, is Nolan's fork any better than Marzocchi? On the street, I don't think anyone's going to notice the difference. But as we've seen, people are willing to spend an extra $1,000 on a motorcycle if it happens to have those forks. And I don't think there's really any cost, any differences in cost. When it comes Probably to not. And it looks, let's straight up, it looks cool. They figured out a way to make gold look cool for, gold. for the past 30 years, right? Yeah. Uh, so which leads me to the, the Pike's Peak. Yeah, which I think that's probably the main reason because the Pikes Peak has Owens forks. They are not electronic, right? Uh, so this is the Multistrada twelve hundred Pikes Peak version, um, because well, so that bike was what we ran up the hill this past year with Jamie Robinson. Right, right. we had two bikes. They were sent over. We were told they were quote unquote two thousand fifteens, and they probably were in you know in frame. But really, that was the the coming year's models bike, right? So. 
um, that was uh, something we had to kind of be quiet about, which was the fact that that was, of course, going to be the, the, the coming year models machine, right? I don't think there was any testing going on. It was, this is the bike with the Olins, right? Works very well. So why not trickle that down to the, the Hypermotard and make it kind of SPS fast, high level, speedy. That's that's what you got, right? So there's a, a, a bit of consistency in the continuum of the models. Sure. And, and truth be told, probably Ducati got a break by... So you know, totally. put them on this bike and that bike and this bike and and, and that's you a, buy in volume. That's another another conversation to have is the his, the the machinations between the manufacturers, the B two B, to get the 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 pieces on and yeah. how much kind of a shell game of weirdness goes on with that, right? For sure, for sure. Uh, do you want to move on and talk about the nine fifty nine Panigale? Um. Well, because I already brought up the Multistrada Pikes Peak. Oh, do you want to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so from the Pikes Peak, which other than uh, the the suspension and it doesn't have forged wheels, which is a little bit of a disappointment, as the cast wheels with you know red stripes on it, which is kind of a bummer because the forged wheels are that's a legitimate mod, right? Right. Um, other than that, it's bold new graphics. The uh, the big one is the enduro, right? Which we talked about, we speculated on, uh, we. Yeah, it's pretty pretty easy to get. Yeah, we talked right. about that in the pre Eichmann show. Yeah, I, I was excited to see it. To be honest, it's better than I thought it would be. Yeah, like, way better. Not not just a little bit. I kind of was expecting a half ass job. It looks pretty <laughs> full ass, man. That just for me having like I had said in the previous one, having really done some damage to my bike by by bottoming it out to see that they have a proper bash guard that is tight to the engine and that is tied into the frame. Uh, was critical, right? A uh, swing arm, both sides. Double-sided swing Pretty, arm. Pretty, and interesting. looks really well done, right? The wheels with the spokes going all the way up to the edges so that, you know, they can run tubula, tubeless tires and... Fuck, everything about that thing looks pretty damn good, right? Yeah. I, I, for, it, for, for me, that was the, the definitive model from, from Ducati. Total. That was the one I, I wanted to see the most. That was the one I, I walked away from the show the most excited about. The one that the press launch I want to go to the most... Uh, for for that brand, so I um, want to run a full tank of eight gallons of gas through that sucker. I can't wait, right? I mean, I'm really excited by it because I had one, and yeah, it's a big, cumbersome, ponderous machine, just as any one of those other machines mm-hmm. are. I know that, but that's a mile eater, right? And I know I can eat the miles, dirt and street. I'll be stoked by that thing. I'm very interested to see how it how it feels. I'm sure it'll be just fine. Uh, what I really like, I'm not gonna lie, what I like the most. Just same reason why the Terra Corsa exists is to just raise that middle finger to all the GS people that say you can't do anything like that, but with a with the GS, that's it, right? So having a Multistrada uh, that can go toe to toe with most GSs in most places, right on. I'm all about it. Sure, sure. I think uh, I think I, I think that'll sell well for Ducati. I, it's going to be a, again. It's going to be a very different owner. Um. And, and part of me is a little worried that maybe Ducati is a little too late to the adventure market. Yeah, but, better late but than it, never. Better late than never. And and I can't imagine it's really costing them a lot to develop and to bring to market. So so it's like a it's like a cheap way to, to diversify the line. And and I think it could mean some interesting things down the road for Ducati because now it's like okay, you properly have your foot finally on the dirt road. Yeah. So now we can start seeing some smaller bikes evolve from this. You know, maybe we see a uh, hyper motard enduro, like like kind of what oh, I've been doing with mine. Be wicked. Yeah, sure. Maybe we see something smaller. Maybe the scrambler 
you know, can evolve. Cause I know Dominicali talked at the, the, the unveiling about, you know, we're going to see some larger scramblers. We're going to see some smaller ones and we're going to see something on the side. Like, you know, they're really trying to build that brand out and I could see something good maybe coming I, from there. Absolutely. Sure. So uh, exciting times ahead, I think in that regard for Ducati. Yep. Right on. Now you want to talk about the Panigale? Sure. Okay. 959. 959. So so it should be before I think we get too far into it, it should be noted that there is a European spec and an American <laughs> spec. Man, did that freak a lot of people oh out? Oh my god. It excited some people in a bizarre way because when I saw the shotgun exhaust, this is this is what and the that's difference the Euro- is. And then that's the European spec. Right? This European probably and uh and Japanese, you would assume. Because have Be- you seen the Japanese? Best, best comment I heard. The Japanese the Japanese version of the nine fifty nine Panigale will have there'll be four exhaust panels. Four exhaust cans. Are you serious? And that's the joke. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> just because. Just because normally yes. we should preface that the Japanese model, anything Panigale. Yeah. They get uh their their sound laws are a lot more uh, restrictive. Yeah, they're a lot more restrictive. So you have to uh, dampen the sounds coming out of the engine. The exhaust pipe has to be a lot more restrictive. So you get like these weird kind of uh, creations. I guess is the best. Look, way look to it up. It. Type in Japanese market Panigale and you'll see it. And it just is an exhaust that pokes out from the from the colostomy bag of exhaust on the bottom of a Panigale and comes out the side. And it really, it's so afterthought, it's not even funny. Well, the shotguns do kind of have, they they evoke afterthought, right? Oh, yeah. But I love shotgun exhaust. So my my 1990s RC45 shotgun exhaust, Yoshimura Superbike, you know, Joe Smoking Joe's Honda, passion came out and i was like oh that's kind of cool <laughs> no it makes it makes sense to me because you've owned two street fighters with that right and and i love the look of a street fighter just i absolutely love the shotgun exhaust right over under man it's so good so when i saw it i wasn't too screwed off by it but you know you look deeper and you're like yeah that that's awkward it's gawky on that bike because it was not designed with those with, with the intention of those to be there no yeah it's um it's <laughs> i don't know how to describe it it, it it definitely is. It's a weird sight to it see. It looks like a growth. It looks like a growth, it, right? Yeah. It's um, like the thing, right? It, it doesn't look as bad as as it could have. It, it sure. doesn't. It doesn't look as bad as the Japanese markets sure. do. It looks like they, you know, they try to stylize it. And I totally get the argument that okay, this is going to be the first thing that a Ducati owner replaces, and you can go out and buy the same old yeah. Termis or Kropovich, you know, underslung exhaust that there were in the past, and. You know, it even looks like they kind of left the hole there for yeah, you. Well, but, uh, with that said, uh, think about what the World Superbikes have been running for the past few races of the year. So, Chaz Davis's and uh, I can't remember. Oh, Who, Davide Giuliano. Giuliano. Uh, their their bikes had that really gnarly system with a pipe that poked out quite a bit. I, I mean, the, the, the exhaust on Panigale is compromised. It's style compromised, period, end of story. It needs to be bigger, longer, better. So... Frankly, this is going to probably open up the door to have a a, a a better tuned exhaust system eventually. And, you know, when the next iteration of the Superbike comes out, they're probably going to have to rethink it. They're going to say, you know what? We tried our hardest, but man, does this thing get hot, like bun burning hot. And it creates myriad problems with emissions and running condition issues, et cetera, that we really need to take care of by having a longer exhaust system with a better uh silencer system that's my that's my opinion on on what's going to happen eventually how do you feel about the death of the ducati super sport i hate the fact that there's no super sport i i would i mean you're talking about like a 900 ss super sport like an air-cooled 
sport bike? Is that what you mean? Yeah, no, not the not the air cooled super sport. I mean, just in the sense of a six hundred cc mid range sport bike. Mid range sport bike. Yeah, I'm de- completely depressed by it. Now, for years, I've been wanting to see Ducati be able to race. This goes, but this goes back to one of the reasons why I feel Ducati has has weakened over the years is the lack of racing and if they not, they not have a super sport bike in the world super sport class like for again for me in the late 90s early 2000s the 748 rs was just amazing and the fact that they raced in world super sport casoli moto oh it's great stuff so i'd love to see a 750 cc or close bike and to watch this the, the 899 when it first came out i was like well that's redundant and you know what it sold well because it was there and people didn't want to you know, an 1100, 1200, so they bought, or 1199, 1299, so they bought the 890. Seems fine. And this will, this is a, a, an understandable iteration, but it's quoted as having 160 ish horsepower. That's the same horsepower as a freaking 1098. Okay. So at the, yeah. by the time it gets the rear wheel on bikes that come to the road, it's going to have 145 horsepower at the rear wheel, right. right? That's really similar to what a 1098 had 10 years ago. Well, right. eight, I, I eight years saying. ago. That, that's obnoxious. There should be a mid-range. But at, at 955 cc's, I mean, it's actually larger than, you know, the, the 916 yeah. Superbike. Yeah, sure. It's larger than the, the, the SPS of the mid-90s. And, it, and it, there, is no, there is no smaller bore sport bike, right? There's nothing. I, and that, that's a very, I think that's a problem if you're looking at, say, what we were talking about earlier with the scramblers and getting people into the brand from a sport aspect. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you do, right? I mean, for me, I really, really hope that this turns into kind of what the Jixxer 750 turned into. Where it's like, this is just a bitch and track bike. It's light. It makes power. It's just going to be fun on a track if you're if you're an enthusiast in that way. It's and I hope on what... and on the and I hope in Bologna somewhere on the drawing board is a bitchin like you said, bitchin 750 or something even something smaller like than that, that. Maybe right. It what, if there was a Ducati that I would buy from a superbike standpoint, well. Shoot, you look in my garage, 848 Street Fighter, 848 race bike, right? Per, like, bitchin' 848 race bike, trick. I have had that bike since 2010. I have no reason to get rid of it, right? I can go out to, to PIR and with some practice and maybe a couple race weekends do, you know, a minute 10 at PIR, which is really, really fast, but I can't do a 7. And I know if I put somebody really fast on it that they could do a minute seven. So why do I need to get anything better? It still makes me smile. It still gives me passion. It still makes scares the crap out of me when I get on it. So I like that mid-range bike. I don't need an 1199 to get to get jollies, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of people that are like that. And that Jixxer 750 is a Goldilocks bike, right? Right in the in the sweet spot, right? So I, I, I think you're right. This is a good, there's nothing wrong with it. But there needs to be something smaller. The question is, is really what is the market? So these guys are looking at the 600 market has softened sure. horribly sure. over the years. So why would they create that? Well, because they're unique and it's Ducati and they probably would sell a crap load of them if they did. But when they look at the continuum, like well, they decide, all right, we can, here's the, here's the biggest problem is they can only produce so many bikes. They are rev limited by a teeny factory in Bologna and uh, the factories that they have elsewhere in uh, the, you know, the Thailand mm-hmm. and the assembly plant that I believe that they're, that they have in, in Brazil, Brazil now, yeah. they're rev limited by that. So they can only build so many that you talk about, what is it? 50,000 bikes they sold this year and they were proud of. Yeah. I don't know how I would love to see what the capacity would be when, if they had, if they couldn't keep up capacity. Right. Yeah, what I don't know about the Ducati factory is how many shifts they run. 
but yeah, you know, in theory, you could go to four shifts. You could do a whole thing. You could modernize it. I mean, there was there was talk about them modernizing the factory oh, and, yeah. and expanding it, and that sure. never happened. I I saw the layout plan of the the factory wherever it was going to be in Bologna. They had they had it toward Del Torquio did right, and we saw that. But I think that was pie in the sky stuff. I don't know. So anyway, I think that's an that's an issue. But as far as the nine fifty nine goes, right on. It looks good. It's the same basic thing. It's a twelve ninety nine bought fairing. So yeah. it's it's just massaged a little bit. There's nothing that stands out with it. Uh, that that I can remember. Is there any electronic stuff that they announced that we don't? No. Okay. No. Twelve ninety nine. It's very, is in it's very states. much uh, uh, an evolution, not a revolution. Right. So twelve ninety nine is in stasis. Yeah. Um, I think we've covered it. Uh, do we want to talk about the Flat Track Pro at all, other than it, it exists? The Flat Track Pro, the, the exists. Scrambler. Yeah, it exists. Yeah, I. You know, when I said nine models, we're going to debut new. I figured there would be one of those. Those graphic e-bikes, and this is one of them. So it was cool that they had uh, Troy Bayless there, but a bit bummed that they didn't have Johnny Lewis there, who was who really towed the line once Bayless got hurt. Right. And and he being a a hall asser and did really good for them. Got hurt at the end of the year. Um, I I was a bit bummed that he wasn't there. I don't. I'm I'm sure there's some contract, or maybe he wasn't going to ride for Lloyd Brothers or whatever the thing is. But uh, you know, having Troy be the figurehead. That really doesn't make any sense any sense for the American to be there, but as an American that was following it, I'm a, I was a, I was a bit disappointed to not see a, at least something. If I bought one of those bikes, there'd be a number ten on it. I'll say that. Fair enough. Uh, finish it up, Ducati. Let's then let's move on. Uh, best for last, the X Diavel. Oh gosh, <laughs> I'm so, I can't believe we forgot it. Uh, I was seriously was like, oh, there's nothing else. That shows you where my mindset's at. All right, I'm not I mean, gonna I, lie, I mean, man. I wish there was nothing else. No, I like that bike. Do you? It blew my mind. I was oh, like, you know, because I had seen the spy photos, and I have a pretty good imagination, so I knew it was gonna look pretty much like that, right? But I didn't expect it to look that good. It's and you know what? I think it's because the previous Diavels are so fucking ugly. Sorry, <laughs> just fell off the top of the ugly tree and hit every branch on the way down. Horrible, horrible looking motorcycle. Yeah. I, I will, I will say, this looks better than the Diablo, the the original Diablo. Absolutely. I will not say that it's a good looking motorcycle. I like it. I think it looks nah, bitching. Yeah. I, w- I want to do some ripping and tearing on it, man. Oh, but, I'm sure it rides great, I, and I loved riding the old Diablo. But it's just for me, like this is just. It was all the hype. It was all the spy photos it was all the hype videos and like it comes out and you're like really yeah for me i would just i can't get excited about it i'm trying Hmm. but no it doesn't the frame the trellis actually looks like proper trellis the tank actually sits on it it it, it's evocative of the monsters it's evocative instead of that horrible tupperware crap that that the bike had been for years i think it looks really good and it makes me want to try and go fast on it or as what was it with Claudio? He was like basically saying slower speeds, but we have launch control. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. I mean, there's there's some interesting stuff going on there, and I, I I totally get the why. It's just it's not for me. It's so it's so far beyond what I want from Ducati. It's like the scrambler. I'm like you're just going down a path that just doesn't resonate with me at all. I get why you're doing it from a business perspective. I get why you're doing it as a journalist. I can understand it and I can see it. But that's that's as far as I can only get into it clinically. I can't get into it passionately. I I can I can get it. I because for both. Yeah, I can you're gonna, get into both. You also do it for the both of us then. Okay, I will. Right. 
So f- figure out a way to get Ducati to send one of those up here for us to ride because I'd be all about it. Team Asphalt and Rubber for Dirt Quake 2016. Oh, dude, I would Dirt Quake the shit out of that. Oh, my gosh. That would be so rad. Maybe we can make that happen. I don't know. Oh, belt drive, man. And I don't mind that even yeah, so many of the technicians that I know that are into it are are lamenting this belt drive. I'm like, whatever. Belt drive's fine. There's nothing wrong with belt drive. I had friends that put belt drives on their bicycles in the past 10 years, and they're like all about it. I get it. And there's there's a lot of good reasons for it. So, Well, you're a weird dude. You're into weird stuff. Yep, there it is. <laughs> and I think with that, we have to oh, go yeah. to Bomoda <laughs> and talk about the Tessie 3D. The pinnacle weird. <laughs> Race cafe. Uh, I was channeling you on that story. When Ugh. that came out, I was like, oh, Quentin is going to be all about this thing it's so cool i love it oh i don't i don't understand it I, other, than, other than the fact that they like were probably sitting around on the internet being like cafe racers are really big we should make a cafe racer <laughs> i'm Let's, surprised they didn't make a scrambler <laughs> uh, i think that's the missed opportunity <laughs> can you imagine they put it like now if you would put some tkc 80s or um or with these metzler tires that people are running to uh I can't remember off the top of my head, but actually, so it's what's on the BMW Scrambler. If you put some kind of you know off-roady, dual sporty yeah. tire on that, that would have got me excited. But instead, you have this. It's got the Ducati Scrambler, eight hundred three cc air cooled twin. So you took this this lump, stuck it in this amazing <laughs> chassis, and then that looks like it's from you know like Blade Runner. And then you <laughs> try and make it look like it's from the 60s. And I just sit there and going like, how high were you when you made this motorcycle? Like how much how much drugs were you on when you just Dude, came up with this idea? There's plenty it, of people on the bandwagon with is, some good weed in the back, oh right? Oh, man, it is <laughs> such a just um, pipe dream of a motorcycle. Like it's just, oh. I don't think it's that bad. I, I, there's things about it that are intriguing. And I and I actually, I think I do like it. I'm, I'm definitely hating on it right now. I hate I'm hating on the concept of it. I actually like it in the execution and I could, I would never own one. I would never, ever, I would love to ride one, but I would just be, it's just so weird. That would go right next to my mantra. Oh man. I'm telling you. All right. I think think this is going to be the mantra like 15, 20 years from now. No, it's, it's too normal. That mantra will never, ever be it, it. That's why that is truly pinnacle weird. This is not tantamount weird. It is just weird. Right. Oh, so what else though? There's some other Bomotas that are that are pretty cool. The the whole supercharger thing. Mind blowing. The supercharger. I'm very curious to hear your analysis on the supercharger from the from a technical view. Did you get to sit down and look at? the I photos? saw a few of the pictures, but that, I didn't get to really dig into the into the the what exactly is going on. But I mean, it's a supercharger. It's a belt driven supercharger. The supercharger, as in their tech like release. Uh, this is what you got from them, right? Right. Uh, there, do you know anybody that's actually set eyeballs on this thing? No. Okay. So at this stage, we're going off the information that they they have given us. They're saying it's a a gear drive chain within the clutch cover that achieves the higher RPM necessary to drive the blower. Uh, so whatever it is, it's a it's driven supercharger. It's not. Some superchargers look like large turbos. I can't remember what the nomenclature is for that relative to a Whipple style. A Whipple style has veins that act uh, kind of, uh, if you put your fingers together, you clasp your fingers together, and, and uh, you can imagine that rotating with, with multiple veins. That, that's what creates the pressure uh, instead of a turbo, 
basically a, the supercharger that looks like a turbo is spinning like a turbo has different uh, a different vein structure right so this one looks pretty simple it's just the you know a bunch of stuff hanging off the side of the engine that has to go through the frame and then back into the the intake area of the engine looks cool i'm i'm fine with it right superchargers are good because it's immediate right a turbo has to spool up the exhaust gases spin past one uh set of veins which then spins the turbo up to high rpm which then produces pressure so there's lag because of that as we have discussed in the past a supercharger it's geared off the crank so it's robbing power all at all times you've got a a percentage of power being robbed i don't know if it's an exponent at rpm i don't think it's a whole lot but once it spins up and creates the pressure it's it's there all the time that's why superchargers are ostensibly the the best way to go especially for a torquey beefy uh, low RPM grunt standpoint, that that's that that's where you'd want to use a supercharger. Whereas a turbo, you 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 don't mind if you're always in the high RPM, and and once you accelerate and launch, you're gonna stay in the high RPM. Turbos are good, right? Because they're they're probably a little bit less uh, less drag on the engine, and they spin up. Once they spin up, they're good and they're creating power. So from a from a standpoint of of a technical standpoint, seems good to me. But it's extra weight. There's stuff hanging off of the bike. And I'm an all-motor guy in general. And, you know, I'm not really big on NOS or turbos or superchargers. I'd rather see a, an engine that's that's uh, straight up. But if you're going to do it, this looks pretty cool to me. I mean, the thing that struck me about it is it, it looks very, very polished. It looks very, it, it could be OEM. Yeah. They mean, they went through a lot of trouble to make the, the covers look the same as OEM. the bell covers on the, uh, yeah. uh, on the motor. So. For me, it's like it's a very uh, it looks like a very refined package, and they're saying that they can put it on any of their uh, liquid cooled uh, Ducati power motorcycles, which is a pretty wide range. Um, I know the Impetto is the one that they're kind of launching it with, and that's got the uh, the 162 horsepower Testostrada 11 degree motor that's in the Diavel. Yeah, it's weird looking at it. It doesn't have the twin plug, right? So it's like it's like Ducati had an excess of the single plug previous gen Diavel slash Multistrada 1200 engine, and they bought a ton of them. I, and who knows why, right? Well, that always seems to be kind of how, at least in the, I should say, like the last decade or so that Bemoto's been doing, working with Ducati engines, it always seems they kind of get a generation or two behind. It, it definitely seems like that's how Ducati's like, oh, we got 50 engines left over. Ah, we'll just sell them to Bemoto. Sure. Which is fine because that's all they're going to make. And they don't. Right. They they know that they're not going to be squeezing out too much market share, and Bemota guys are weird on a they're pinnacle weird, and they're only going to want Bemotas, and they're going to buy them no matter what, and even if the thing isn't the latest greatest super whammy twin plug whatever, they'll be fine with it. It's interesting to see this. It's got the two injectors per cylinder with a cool airbox. Looks really well done. A little little weirded out by the. It looks like carbon fiber, faux carbon fiber, or wrapped carbon fiber on aluminum tubes. I'm not really sure about how that works on, that, on the frame. On that, that frame? That's yeah. a carbon fiber frame. That's, it is. That's the Bemota Experience package. So they give you that carbon fiber trellis, and I think it still has the CNC uh, aluminum. The, the back plate. Yeah. yeah, and then the the swing arm is carbon fiber as well. Same, same kind of style of construction. Oh, right on, man. I think it looks bitching. Yeah. No, um, no word on the price. That's the only thing I don't. I haven't heard. <laughs> no, if you have to ask, yeah, if right. you have to ask. Um, but the uh, 
the Impetto will be the first, I guess it's kind of launching that, but it is available in other models. But I'm curious to hear what your, your thoughts are on that bike. Looks great to me. I would love to try something like that. I think it looks, it looks literally looks good. Um, and seems like it's, it's fairly well. Oh my gosh. There's some, I'm looking at pictures of it now. There's, there's a few things that are a little interesting. The steering damper sticking off there. Uh, it's not <laughs> retractive. Uh, I hadn't seen that. I hadn't, I only looked at the base, you know, side view picture of the thing. So, um, I'm, I'm not a fan of that headlight. That's the same LED you know, like headlight that. You can find it. You can get it on the Harley Davidson accessories package all the way through to Zero Motorcycles accessory package. It's just kind of like that ubiquitous LED headlight that everyone seems to. Yeah, to but I like the towards. circular look. I'm not gonna. Oh, lie. That, see, that's the thing I don't like about it. I don't like, I don't like that. I don't like that on the monster. I don't like that on this. I don't like it. I hate those circular lights. They do nothing for I me. I am definitely old school because I want. I like to see the circles, and I like to see where they put it. It's proper, fairly low. It's bulldog's stance. The angular. The angularness of the bike is is great. Uh, I mean, it, is it? What 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 other naked bikes look this good? Uh, a Monster Twelve Hundred. I don't like the looks of Monster Twelve Hundred. They don't look good to me, right? Uh, not the new ones. Um, Brutale. Brutales Brutale. look pretty darn good. Yeah. Whether it be an old ten ninety or whatever the late the earlier iteration, the four cylinder. Those are those are solid looking machines. Well, and this, maybe this evokes and, that. And maybe that's the segue because the Brutale 800 that was the big kind of launch from yeah. MV Gusta this year and it got a pretty solid restyling that I think looks really good but I didn't even see that much of a difference of it it's subtle it's, I mean everything's kind of swept back more the 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 exhaust pipes a little bit longer the tail section has been um changed rather ex- extensively it kind of mimics the uh Turismo Veloce in the sense it has like this kind of like negative space hole underneath the seat um, the headlights swept a little bit more. The fairings in the tank are swept a little bit more. It's, 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 it's very nuanced. subtle. It's, it's nuanced, subtle. but it's there. Fair enough, but it's not like, I don't know. It doesn't blow my skirt up that well, much. Well, what's not going to blow your skirt is the fact that, you know, they Heavy. got a uh, pretty solid power reduction and What do you think increase. is the deal with the power? Did they have any explanation for Euro, the power reduction? Euro 4. I think, Euro 4? I think okay. it's all Euro 4. They got a little bit more torque. Uh, out of it so you know in theory maybe it, it rides on the street a little bit better but yeah for me that was the big disappointment is you know we only got to see you know i'm gonna do the little quotes two new bikes from mv augusta this year and the reality is it's like okay you got a mildly updated brutale that weighs more and makes less power uh looks a little better but you know and kind of mm. and then you've got this dragster rr lewis hamilton special edition that Really, it's just like the gaudiest dragster you could you could create. <laughs> uh, it does nothing for me. I'm not a Lewis Hamilton fan. I'm not one of his detractors, but I'm just not into Formula One You're not enough a to really to be really caring about it. There's nothing about that bike that that looks appealing. It, it looks like it was designed by a Formula One racer, you know, aka someone with no design experience, because it's just <laughs> it's just all these like red anodized parts all over the place and special paint and I'm like eh. yeah. Okay, so two bikes that we've kind of already seen before. Um, I don't really know what the explanation is for MV Augusta for, for not really having anything new other than maybe, uh, in the past, they've always been showing us bikes that are probably two, three years out from actually being ready. Yeah. And maybe they decided to stop doing that cause it was really pissing people off. And now they're like, well, well we kind of have to catch up to ourselves. So maybe this is going to be, uh, uh, an off season for them. Well, uh, having a, a bit of, of a deeper look at, at it now, 
it is pretty cool. I, I like it. Would I say that it's benchmark? No. Uh, and going back to the Bomoda, is the Bomoda benchmark? No. But how much? How much can you do? Right. Sure. That's one it's, thing. It's a high expectation, right? Sure. At this stage, you got a headlight, two wheels, engine, fuel tank, and if you're trying to go naked and be very uh, uh, minimalistic, it's tough to you. It's all subtleties. So with the Bomoda, they they have adopted a very unique, sharp. Uh, angular style over the past decade, and it's worked out for them. I think it works okay. I, I'm i not as much into it as I was for the bikes that were in the 90s, but I, I'm a child in the 90s. Yeah, the, the the thing that drives me a little crazy with the Impetto is, and you can even make this this argument with the Tessie, although I think the Tessie is a special case, but the Impetto, it's like, you look at the last six, seven bikes that Bomoda has come out with, six, seven Ducati-powered bikes, I should say, and they all kind of look the same. They all have the same kind of yep. frame. Yeah. They're all using, you know, they all have different motors and, and they have little things about them that are different. But, you know, it's really like there's just so much overlap between those bikes. It'd be nice to see something like really different come out. Um, so you could so you could have like another pillar to that brand. Otherwise, you're just kind of like, oh, this bike's a little bit different than that bike. And this one, like, so you kind of like, you're kind of just shotgunning this one particular taste rather than having a little something for all these different kinds of tastes well the, what they need to do is use a engine from a, a japanese motorcycle right can you imagine i don't think that's going to happen no i know that but if you if you want something different because it's all ducati derivative then you're going to have to imagine what bomoda could do with an h2 oh that would be wicked uh, you know my the mind the mind wanders very sure, easily with that sure. right i would love to see that because we're looking at a bike that's just big and heavy and gnarly, and that would be what Bomoda used to do. Take a big, heavy, gnarly bike that performs pretty well but needs a little something and give it to it, and then just just pour style all over it, right? So that that would be what I'd say. That would be... I'd be extremely interested to see what could come of that uh, that partnership. I don't think never know what happened. Nope, not at all. Especially with the H2 because it's so much Kawasaki's little baby. Yeah, of course, but, right? Uh, but that would be what would make it so extreme. So we just bounced a few times pretty quickly, so I'm not really sure if we went. So we went Ducati. We're okay with Ducati. Then yeah. we – did we go straight to Bomoda? Yeah. Okay, so have we covered Bomoda? Yeah, I okay. think we're good. I think, I think and, we should move on to Aprilia. Okay, so we did MV Augusta. We're good, so time to Aprilia. Uh, RSV4R-FW Misano. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what we're going to do is going to go to the cabinet, and we're going to get the alphabet soup, we're going to pour it out, right? We're going to pour it right out on the table and just pick some letters, right? Uh, yeah, the fucking thing is gnarly. It looks really cool. It's beast mode. It is. It's beast mode. It looks like in, instead of a forehead, it looks like it has an eight head. Um, I don't know how to describe it, but it's, like, it's funny how this bike, it, it if you if you it's like front forward, so the obviously the fairings have moved forward. So it just looks like it has an eight head. It looks like it has, you know, kind of elephantitis of the head. So from a from a visual standpoint, I I'm not very appealing. I'm not a, appealed to it. No, right? that the, that the, that livery, that graphic is it, it's growing on me. I'll have to say it's grown on me in the last couple of days. Not like a fungus, but it is. It's like one of the things where you're like, right. <laughs> but it doesn't matter when you have 230 horsepower. And what is the trickiest thing that you could get as a consumer without? Being Cam and Co. buying a uh, uh, Desmond City GRR, right? Yeah, There's only right. so many people that are going to be able to get into this 
Right. And and that's the thing that's that's super interesting. You know, the, the scuttlebutt basically is like this is pretty much what they were running in MotoGP. That's what they're saying, With right? different variants. But it's the same. And, and with that said, they've been running this, the ART project, right? Right. For what? Three, four, five years now? Something like that? The uh, open class yeah. bikes that were running Aprilias, this is kind of what it is. This is exactly what yeah, right? is. And well, then, and then they evolved, obviously, into the bikes that uh, they're running this year. But it's, you know, so from that perspective, I think it's a great testament to... The RSV4 is a platform. The RSV4 yeah. is, a, is a super bike. Solid. Maybe not the best testament to Aprilia's MotoGP program, but we know that they're hopefully coming out with an all-new bike uh, for the next season. So hopefully we can see some some progress there and on a racing side of things. Um, but I, I think I think it's really interesting that Aprilia is opening up their their factory development, their factory racing for the consumer. I think I think if you had enough money. Yeah. You can you can go up to kind of any of these brands and, and and get something like this, but from a marketing perspective, I think it's a big win for them to be able to say like, yeah, you know, Quentin, you can you can come down, come on down, and you can, you know, we can got a Moto America spec bike for you, we got a super stock spike for you, we got a super bike, we got a factory super. Like, what, what, how much do you want to spend? We'll Write make the it check. for you. Yeah. Write the check. Let's and make it you happen. Can play. Sure. And that's kind of cool. I like I like that idea. Yeah. So do I. It, it is it's great because it totally distracts you from the fact that nothing new came from Aprilia otherwise. <laughs> Right, so they're all. What what was our tagline? Get your shit together, Aprilia. Get your shit together. Right. Um, and you know, I don't. I, yeah, <laughs> I have nothing to add to that because it's one of the things like I'm excited about this, but it, it feels like so much like here's the shiny dangly thing to distract you from the fact that all the other bikes, all the bikes that you're actually gonna buy, because this is probably I, I'm willing to bet, especially if you're Italian and walked into Nuwale and said, hey, I want to buy, you know, Max Biaggi's bike. Yeah. They would they would totally do it. It would be a matter of money. It yeah, would be sure. a matter of relationship, but it could happen. And so I don't really think this is really changing that much in the reality of things, other than the fact that it, it, it there's more awareness in the space. But like it kind of kills me. We're like you know, it'd be nice to see. Uh, it'd be nice if the production version, the bike that is going to be on every dealer's floor, made 230 horsepower, or or even it doesn't even have to be 230. It could be 210 or whatever. Yeah, else. sure. Uh, you know, some sort of meaningful update to the RC4 or the shiver or the doors of Dora or bring back the SXV uh, supermoto in a, <laughs> whoa, in, a, whoa, whoa. in a reliable way. Be careful with that. Yeah, <laughs> sure. No, there's a lot of things that they can do and maybe they're working on it. I don't know. I hope so. I hope the, this is just like um, some of the other brands where it's like, this is just kind of the off year and next year. Cause, cause Moto Guzzi did come out with four new models. So we Let's saw, talk so, about so we saw a little coming from, from Moto Oh, it's Guzzi. Piaggio group saying that. In, yeah. Right. So, sure. so it's one of those things. So maybe this is Moto Guzzi's year. Maybe next year's Aprilia's year. And yeah, sure. You know, that's the trade off and I'm willing to give them that. All right. So let's segue into, in the Guzzi. Is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Is there I, any other Aprilia stuff we need to talk about? No, cause about? I think we talked about it before in the, in the other show. So I'm, I'm good to move on. Okay. Uh, Moto Guzzi. Uh, one of the things I thought was interesting was the MGX 21, uh, prototype from last year ended up becoming a, uh, production model this year and they're calling it the flying fortress which <laughs> which i love right they're just basically saying this mfr is big and gnarly <laughs> right it's a fortress they're owning it here's they this, know here's this 1400 cc bagger that you're just gonna it's just designed to bomb down american highways We're right on and you know what it looks the part it i would looks... way rather have that than a harley davidson it just looks so much cooler and does a similar thing Right. It looks like titties. It yeah. is. It looks good. It's got it's got that matte black carbon fiber thing going on. It's got the carbon fiber uh, wheel covers. It's got the the red accents. 
Testa, I'm not even. I'm like Testarosas. Yeah, I'm so far outside the demographic of this, but I'm excited about it. Yeah. So weird. I think that says something. Same. When I first saw it, I was like, "Whoa, whoa, wait! I, I shouldn't like that at all. Why do I like that?" Right. I'm trying to figure out a way to hate this, and I can't. <laughs> I mean, it's still gonna be. It's still gonna be. You know, your typical kind of motoguzi weirdness thing going yeah, on. Sure, but that's okay. But um, I would totally. I would if I had like a long trip I had to go do in the middle of summer and was you know looking for something to ride that yeah. would probably be it It'd pound be, the miles fun. absolutely and, right you know comfortable for a passenger and, and different very very different yeah. yeah so so kudos to them on that right on and um the the other bike i think that's really worth mentioning is the moto guzzi v7 2 so it's the second generation v7 so it's not 72 like spelled out 72 no no <laughs> 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 the model is called the Stornello, and it's a, it's an oh, so yeah. scrambler. Yeah, and so, Stornello is, is is a name that has been in in, in Guzidum for a long time. Right, right. So that's cool. So the, you know they're kind of bringing it back, and they're they're tapping into their post authentic history. Yeah, of course, this is uh, this is the bandwagon bike, the one of the one of the bandwagon. It's bike. totally, been, but I like it. I yeah, actually really like it. it. Sure, I would take this over the Gotti scrambler. Do you think? Oh, well, you know, yeah. How much do you think this one's going to be? Oh, I don't know, but but that's the thing. Like Moto Guzzi's been pretty good about yeah. aggressively pricing the V7, the V7 two line is pretty cheap, you know, relatively speaking. And they're known for being very good as far as you get on them and roll down the road. They work very well. Mm-hmm. I have I have friends that are deep enthusiasts that have ridden them and said these bikes are excellent. Right? It, it looks it looks the part. I mean, it it looks genuinely like like if you told me this is a bike from the sixties or seventies, sure. I would be like, yeah, okay, that's okay. But the expectation isn't high. You're on a small air-cooled, agricultural twin, <laughs> right? So if your expectation is realistic, you know that you're not getting on a super sport bike. So goes down the road and feels good doing it, great. With and, all 48 horsepower. Well, you know what? And, you know, there's plenty of, there's plenty to get in trouble with. You know, and that, and that was, I think, I, I think a point I brought up in the story. Like, you know, the 48 horsepower really isn't going to slick your hair back on the street. But if you're really hitting the gravel trail or a fire road or whatever, that's more than all. That's all you yep. need. Sure. Anything else you're probably wasting. Yep. So I, I think it'd be fine. I could I don't know how many people are gonna, you know, really be scrambling with them. I think it's gonna tap into yeah, that course, whole sure. segment. But you know, I look at it and it, it feels it feels a lot more genuine to me than than some of the other bikes that we've seen. Um, especially at ICMO, you know, with this whole scrambler thing going on. So um again, you know, I, I just gotta you know, that's a good one for Motoguzi. I think I think they they hit two solid home runs with those bikes. Um the other bikes that they brought out were the uh v2 bobber or v72 bobber and v72 roamer uh and i just couldn't be possibly uh, yeah sorry zero. i got nothing to say yeah i got nothing for Cru- cruisy goozies cruisy goozies and just yeah I, I didn't even publish them on the site were there I, any goozy floozies on the cruisy goozies <laughs> I, I didn't see any floozy goozies but maybe later on the cruisy if we're choosy <laughs> Yeah, but, but not boozy. We don't want to be no boozy, boozy when we're on our crazy goozies with our floozies. <laughs> That's way too bougie to think of. <laughs> okay. How many how many people just turned off? Uh, I know. <laughs> click. Their radio train. Right click. <laughs> Please leave us a review on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> I should say, this is totally the wrong time to say it, but thank you for everyone who did get on iTunes and leave us ratings and, and leave us comments. We really appreciated it. And um, Except for the one that that left a four even, and didn't the, have an explanation even the four star guy you know what he showed up all right thanks. i appreciate it i appreciate it too and you probably didn't bring down the, the average too much because the rest are fives oh yeah um we gotta we gotta keep pushing on and, and stop getting squirrely 
the completely Energica. Yeah. Uh, so some interesting news from Energica. They they finally have have pinned down the uh, Energica Eva, which is their Street Fighter model and complements the Energica Ego uh, Superbike. And um, so that's in its final state. And, and and was on the show, and then they also announced an IPO. So so maybe we'll take the the Eva first, which you know I really like the people at Energica, but first like the brand name is really hard to say, and then like their model names, you just like cringe every time. Like cringe every time I say ego. Like oh, I rode the ego, and you're like, <sighs> it's just like this Freudian thing, yeah, sure that I that I have an issue with. But you know, bad branding aside, the the ego <laughs> is was a great superbike. Um, you know, compared to, I would, I would put it right up there with like the mission R I would put it right up there. Um, with the moto Sis. you know, it's, it's, it's a solid little machine. Uh, it's really well refined that you can tell they really did some good work on the software. The throttle the response is really solid. And, uh, and know, the chassis, and the chassis I have, is quite I have, good. Uh, That's right. You've ridden I've ridden it as well. it as well. Yeah. And I didn't just do a loop. I did one time I did just the loop, but then one time, because uh, I I have a full disclosure, I have a really good friend that was working with Energica for a long time, and he let me uh, go go do some ripping on it um, earlier this year, and I yeah. had a lot of fun with it. I I enjoyed it. I mean, it's a very all these bikes have a lot of weight to them. That yep. is how they get the energy density, so they're heavy, and you, it it just takes a it takes a different mind to get on it and go quickly. Uh, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was well done. Yeah, and I, it's good to hear you say that because it, it kind of brings, I think, some validity to to my my thoughts on it as well. Because uh, it is it is a good little bike. It, it's expensive, um, and uh, you know it's it's giving birth to this Eva, which is an interesting machine too. I mean, they they both have a very unique look to them, and you either like it or you don't. And I can totally understand someone that doesn't like it, and I even myself kind of go back and forth on whether or not um, I I don't like it. I like the frame because it's trellis. I like the fact that it's exposed. I like the swing arm, the bodywork. It's just get to the face on both of them. And I mean, you joked about one of the other machines <laughs> we're going to be talking about later being Johnny Five Stay Alive from Short Circuit. Yeah. This is Johnny Five. The other one, not even close sure. compared to this thing. So it looks like a praying mantis, uh, a, a machinified praying mantis, right? Okay, fair enough, but. I, is, would it be a barrier to, to sale? No, it's not that ugly, but it's just. Not so, so that's the thing for me. I actually like. I get over the headlight and I get over the face of it fairly quick. For me, it's always been the, kind of the 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 way the rear shock is attached to the swing arm on the side really messes up my OCD. I'm not a huge fan of the way the, <laughs> the tail fact that it's finishes. straight up and down is a bit of a bizarre. It just, thing. It's just sure. like it, it's like literally it's like pin the shock on the motorcycle. It's like a bad bachelorette party. <laughs> yeah, you know, just like I'm right. gonna stick it right here. Fine. Okay. Is good. It, is that any different than the Scrambler, though? The Scrambler does it similarly, right? But I, I guess I maybe this, not because it lays, this, at least that shock lays down. This yeah. is almost vertical, and it does look like, oh, shit, we need to put a shock on this bike. <laughs> Pink! Whoops. Right. Uh, the interesting thing for me, the, the Ego makes 136 horsepower. Uh, the Eva is making 95 horsepower. So they're doing some stuff Going in electronics. Right. I think they're going for range. Um, torque is down a little, but I think anyone, no one's going to bat an eye at 125. It makes you wonder if it really pounds. is or if it's just electronics. I right? think it's just. I think. I think at the end of the day, it's just range because I, I can't imagine them being that different internally. Um, but I do think that's of note, and it's kind of interesting to to see that happening. And 
I think they're quoting 124 miles on a charge, which mm-hmm. uh, is kind of nebulous and you mm-hmm. know, will depend very much on how you're riding and where 25 you're 25 miles an hour. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at it, it it's going to be more or less in line, I think, with, with the the street bikes, the bigger street bikes we're seeing from zero. It's nothing that is going to excite the market. We've talked about, you know, what the density, the energy density on batteries and how they need to, you know, significantly make some increases to kind of get to what I think normal sport bike riders are used to. But it'll be interesting. Uh, I'm fairly certain I'll be getting to ride one pretty soon. Right on. So we'll hopefully I'll have that to, to talk about at a later date and time. Uh, Olin's interesting that they have Olin's. I don't remember the other ones having Olin's. So another B2B. Yeah. Yeah, that getting connection. all up in there, and it's got the wire spoke reels, which is kind of interesting. It does look good. It's, yeah, I mean, for me, for me, when you build a Street Fighter, it's going to be how much fun it is to ride, because it's it's the same reason. Like you know, like you want it to be fast, you want to have a little hooligan aspect to it. You know, I'm hoping that they'll get the software figured out so you can get some good power wheelies out of it and slide around a little. And you know, time will tell. I'll be very curious to, to hop on it and and see what it's like because I think that's it's a very from a mindset perspective, I think it's very different than where you are with the ego and the superbike. Because the superbike's just, I want to go fast. You know, sure. just Ricky Bobby, I want to go fast. Whereas this is more like, yeah, I want to go fast, but I don't have to. I'm not going to be counting it by tenths of the second. I'm going to be counting it by, like, you know, how many ass pucker turns I go through. Yeah, sure. So, uh, interesting stuff. And then, then really the big news from Energica is that they're going to be... Um, they're on. They're trying to have an IPO on the London stock market, and it's like this sub market of the Italian or the uh, London stock market. It's called the AIM Italia, and Whoa. it's it's interesting. It's so the so the AIM market. It's it's we can go way down a rabbit hole of financial market stuff, but basically it's a special sub market of the London stock exchange that uh, is geared towards small and medium sized businesses and to get their stock out there in the public and it's got a whole bunch of regulatory things that make it easier it's kind of a tax shelter it's gotten some negative press for being casino like and because a lot of businesses are failing there as well hmm. um, but it's very interesting because it's it's taking a lot of the barriers away from from going public and uh it's actually an interesting uh play for energica to to go to and, and ubs uh, one of the sw- big Swiss banks is helping them do it. So UBS sounds familiar. They must sponsor some sort of racing because I've seen that. Maybe it's Formula One or something. Oh, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, that's like they're right up there with, you know, pick another Swiss bank as far as like hiding money from rogue <laughs> states and terrorist groups. I mean, their 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 fingers are just as dirty as everyone else's. Dude, did you just say terrorist groups? Really? Oh yeah, that's the symbol with the three keys. I'm yeah. looking at it now. I know yeah. exactly. Huh? Interesting. Yeah. So they're, they're they're all over the place, um, but they are you know one of the largest financial in- institutions, one of the most respected, in the sense of you know they help people finance their ventures, whatever they may be. And if you type in UBS terrorists in Google, <laughs> there's a bunch of stuff that pops up. I'm not, I wasn't making it up. <laughs> oh, no, I know it's so funny. <laughs> U.S. penalizes UBS for dealing with quote unquote terrorists. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, All right. And that's been that's that's a whole nother can of worms. That sure, probably sure, sure. the show doesn't need to I cover. like rabbit holes, man. I love digging down the rabbit holes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we need to to get this show almost done. So the last company I want to talk about to round out our our Italian uh version of this of this episode, and then we'll move on to the next episode uh for the rest of the manufacturers, uh Benelli. Hell yeah. Benelli for me was like the manufacturer of ICMA. It, it and I didn't even know. Frankly, had no, not even on the radar. There was not even a little blip. So when I first saw 
the I think it was the touring one or the uh, the venture tour one. I had to do like a double take of like, what is that? Right? I didn't understand what it was when you first posted it up on Asphalt and Rubber. So I was surprised. I didn't even know they're still extant. Yeah, yeah. So you know, they they Benelli's been on an interesting interesting road for a while now, and I think we've written them off, uh, especially in the West, because they got bought by the uh, Chinese firm, um, the Qianjing uh, Group. And I think, you know, as soon as like you see, you know, Chinese car manufacturer, Chinese motorcycle manufacturer, there's such a stigma that comes along with that. And it probably didn't help Benelli in the fact that like, you know, their products really took a turn once the Chinese ownership came in. And I remember seeing it at Eichmann. I remember going up to their booth and, you know, good luck finding someone that spoke English kind of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, and the the TNT was still kind of out there and still kind of relevant. And you could see like, you know, you go up and you look at the carbon fire. I remember, I remember actually like, I don't know, I think it was my second Eichmann show. It was the Benelli TNT R160, you know, this 160 horsepower. I didn't, I love the Benelli TNT. Like I would, I would love to own one if it wasn't such a basket case of a motorcycle. I would well, lo- why are they known as basket cases? Their electronics are just okay. a nightmare. It's one of those things where like the headlight turns off when you come to a stop because it doesn't have enough charge in the system okay, from an okay. alternator. So you're just saying the normal malaise just... of Italian small manufacturer. I don't know. I have a couple friends that have them and love them. Uh, yeah, fueling issues. I mean, they, sure. they get like 29 miles per gallon. Not well-developed machines, right? It's just... It's it's a lot of show, not a lot of go. It's probably the best way to say it. And and it's funny, like you know, you talk to Benelli owners and they love those bikes, and I understand why because they are so beautiful. And I would I would love to own one, but I just I'm just not ready to be that miserable. Like, you know, I'm, what's I'm just too young. Such a bummer is about this time last year, the local Ducati motocross, the local Ducati issue brought in a Benelli, and it was like ten grand. Somebody put it on consignment, and I was like, oh man, it was green and mm-hmm. green and silver, the mm-hmm. classic tornado. Yeah, I wanted it so bad and. I let it slip, and at some point in time, I think it sold for like five or six grand. I'm fairly certain it just sold because I was talking to Jason about it because I saw it up on the on I the motorcourse so site. Bad. It was cheap, and I, I would love. That's the other thing. I love the tornado with the 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 radiator and the, the seat fans, with the fans, yellow fans sticking out the bum. Yeah. Oh, it, so if you're cool. listening and you don't know what a Benelli tornado is, you have to stop. The, pause the show. Don't stop it. But but Google it because that is that is an amazing motorcycle and you know I there's just so much about that that I wish was still around and still in the space and and, and we'll get to that because because maybe we'll work our way up because like I look at the Benelli Tornado 302 which is a very attractive 300 cc sport bike but it kind of kills me in a little bit of a way too that like Benelli's recycling the Tornado name and that and that's been kind of like the the critique with. Benelli under Chinese ownership, it's like, okay, so you took this kind of historic Italian brand and you're kind of using it to sell these kind of like junky looking bikes that have, that really don't have like a lot of tie to, to the bikes that they're, they're linking back no, to. No, tie? They're made in Thailand? You know what I'm saying. <laughs> but Sorry. I know, I know you can resist it, but I'm just going to move it's like, right along. It's like pun Tourette's. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna stick you in rehab. <laughs> All right. So the tornado name though is good. Why why let that go when you have a great name like tornado? I get I other get than it. Colin Edwards suing you or or sticking his fifty cal up your bum saying <laughs> why hey I'm Texas tornado. I'm a Texas tornado. Right. Um. You know it's just for me because like I look at this the tornado three or two and I and I like it for all for everything except the name like it's a, I think it's one of the most attractive three hundred cc sport bikes that I've seen come on the market. If I was looking for a small displacement bike, I think it could be fun. Um, 
but like for me, like you're almost you're just treading on the uh, the tornado name a little bit too much, and uh, it kind of kind of irks me. You know, like a 36 horsepower learner bike shouldn't be named <clears throat> after this beautiful piece of art that I've lusted over for like a decade. That being said, it, it really intrigues me. It really gets me excited. I would totally. And it looks know, production ready. Not out of it. Oh, it's production ready. It's a production bike. We'll see if it comes to the U.S. The Benelli's got a new distributor in, in North America in the U.S. Um, and so I think uh, it's. I don't know if it'll be here for the 2016 model year, but I think it could definitely be here for 2017. So I think that's. You know, I think that's going to be a good option in the market. Um, and, if and, if it's at a right price point, right? You know, and that's the thing though. But I think it is going to be at a good price point because I think that's kind of where Benelli's at right now is they want to be the budget Italian brand. And you go and you look at, you know, again, the, the the other bike that came out was the Benelli Tornado Naked T. So TNT, it's that naked bike that we, yeah, we were talking about. Sure. But you look at it and it's it's like a Honda Grom. It's like a little monkey bike. Yeah, it's so cute. You know, and that's the thing. Like, it's super cute. I would totally rock the snot out of that. I would totally look at that. And if I was in the, the Honda Grom market, if I was in like the pit bike, monkey bike, grocery getter market right now, like I would totally look at that and be like, yeah, that's, that's that's unique. That's cool. Yeah, not gonna be riding the same as everybody else. Exactly. Not that I see like a ha- lot of Honda Groms in Portland, but you know, I, I I totally put it on my short list. But is it the TNT? Does it does it evoke anything from the TNT name, the Benelli TNT? No, and that's my only issue with it. And I'm I'm pretty much repeating myself at this point because it's the same general gripe that I've had with Benelli for a long time. It's just now finally the products are actually something I would want to own and something I get excited about. Sure. It's so cute. I can't, you got to look at it. Go, go look at this picture of this thing. You just want to like put it in your pocket and I feed know, it an M&M right from every right now and then. Pet it and love yeah. it. Call George. And water it. And <laughs> one day it'll grow into a big TNT and you'll be happy. <laughs> um, so, so Benelli came out with four bikes. We've, we've talked about two. The other two I think are very, very interesting and very, very intriguing for, for different reasons. Um, uh, the Benelli TRK 500 or 502 i believe 502 um it's a 500 cc uh adventure bike that looks like uh it has the nose of a falcon you know i don't think there's any way of getting around that thing it's just man that thing not the a, beak of a buzzard but the nose of a falcon. nose of a falcon that's an arrested development uh oh is it thing if, oh, i'm if, sorry if dude you've it. caught me out with a couple of pop culture tv references and i'm partially proud of that that i don't know them right you gotta understand my life, Quentin. Like, yeah, you know, I'm just in my PJs all day watching Netflix while I put things on the internet. Like, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just a pop culture whore at this moment. Okay, all right, it's okay. But no, this is really interesting. Really interesting bike. Like, um, you know, I, I can't post a story about a, a large displacement adventure bike without someone coming along and saying, you know, it's too heavy to go off road with. And here you have like a <laughs> 450 pound ready to go dirt bike. Yeah. You know, or adventure bike. I shouldn't say dirt bike, but it's an adventure bike. It's got the crash bars. It's got a trellis frame. It's 500cc parallel twin. It's got the uh, the dual sport tires, wire wheels. Uh, you know, 5.2 gallon tank. It's got a huge tank on it. You're going to go super far on it. It, it kind of looks like, it's, you know, they definitely looked in a multi-strata a little bit. It's got some multi-strata-esque things. Like I said, it's got the nose of a falcon. Is, is the only picture you have the side view that's on the... That's web? the only one that they gave out in the press. Okay. I think... Um, I think there's some other ones out there if you do like a Google image search, but it's, you know, it's it's a good looking bike. I would way rather have that than any of the Honda offerings or Yamaha offerings or any of the other manufacturers that have made right? small. 
The only one uh, with the exception would be the 250 Honda that I think we talked about the, in the rally, last podcast, which right? didn't show up. We'll, no. we'll we'll complain about that on okay. the next episode. But fair enough. That but that was one that would be an, analogous to this. But right. this is a little bit even more serious. There's another bike, and you might know that some cheap brand that has brought an adventure tour to the market in the United States that's very inexpensive. And I know a lot of people are are uh, buying them and saying that they're actually decent. I don't know who the heck's making it. It's something very off the wall. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. So the motorcycle you're talking about is the uh, CSC Motorcycles. <laughs> RX3. Yeah, you know, and that's in the space and you know what I, I don't have any I don't have any contact with that brand. I don't have any I have no idea. Anything with that bike. It was not on my radar, but then it it came very quickly it's when somebody was like, "Hey, you have you ever heard of this?" Yeah. And then it's I started doing a little research, right? Mhm. So it'd be, it'd be fun. I would, I would love to get on one and and see what it's all about. Totally, and it's in the same vein of yeah. the Benelli. It yeah. was like, "You don't need 1200 cc's of air-cooled monster 550 pounds bike to do this stuff to go on the most of the adventures you want to go on right unless you live in the flatlands of the great plains and you need to get to colorado to go do adventure stuff right so for most of us that live in the awesome states that aren't in flyover country could have a small bike get down the road with it not have to worry about it and enjoy it but then be way better off once we get off road Right. And, and not have to, to worry about, have, you know, have mm-hmm. this big cumbersome lumbering thing. Right. You know what I like about that cyclone? What's that? Without looking at your screen, how much do you think it costs? Oh, Jesus. It looks like it's 10 grand. I don't know. It looks like a lot of money. 3,500 bucks. <laughs> that's really? Yeah. Oh, I think that was the note. I mean, I, I'm sure that's why somebody turned it on. Cause it's like, you could buy that, ride it to Alaska and then drop the mic. Just right? throw it away. Just, just, just done. Total to Bay, motorcycle. Down to Anchorage and just throw it at the local motorcycle shop. Go to the motorcycle shop and just give it to Brendan Gallant. And he'd be like, <laughs> whatever. Right? They'd just melt it and, and put it in the back. Right? Yeah. They'd crush it. Because yeah. it doesn't matter. 3500 bucks. That's amazing. That's a good... I mean, it's a, like, that's... That's like developing country. Like, you know, <laughs> it is. It's like, a little extreme, just, which would make you worry about it. Sure. But I want to see one up close, right? Is it uh, Buell ba- Blast bad? I mean, you know, when you get up close and you're like, ew, ew, that's awful. Why would you create something that shitty, right? right. But, you know, they have to. If it's that cheap, it's got to be some parts bin equipment. Okay, whatever. But the Benelli, hopefully, would be a little bit better and a little bit faster and a little bit more, you know, refined. Certainly a lot more sexy. Sure. I would say that. Yeah. Um. And did you really, I mean, with one of these Benelli things I saw, you talked about bringing sexy back. That's 2006, man. You had to use bringing sexy back from 2006? Don't judge me. Sorry. I just have to do it. <laughs> you you try writing 50 stories yeah, in 36 hours with four hours of okay. sleep. Okay. Okay. It's a marathon that you're not ready for. No, I'm not. I yeah. wouldn't want to be. So if you got to bring, and you know, Timberlake isn't a bad dude. Yeah. So let's let's end the show on a high note. Last model. Benelli Leoncino. Oh yeah, right. Another another scrambler bandwagon, but but taking the bandwagon and flipping it upside down and doing a nasty rowdy burnout on it. Right? I would scramble the shit out of that. Bike. Yeah, totally. That's a good looking motorcycle. Yeah, it is. Um, you know, I was a little dubious when when Benelli was was sending out the teasers about it, and you know, even I had to go and, and Google the name to figure out what the story was with this Leoncino name. Which what is it? Um, it's, it's the same idea. It's this post, you know, World War II people mover, you know, it's literally the, what Italians were riding 
after the end of World oh, War II. Oh, so it's like a Cucciolo for Ducati. Exactly. It's okay. this idea of like, you know, people couldn't afford cars. The infrastructure in Italy was all bombed out. And, you know, we were they were still recovering from fascism and, and all this nonsense. And, you know, this was just a cheap way for people to get around town. And they brought that name back. And it means it means Lion Cub in Italian. Lion Cub? Lion Cub. Oh, that's even better. That's a little kitty. But, you know, you you look at it and you're like, okay, yeah, you're on board with the whole scrambler thing. You're, you know, it's a me too bike, but man, it's, it's a lot more different than the other things out there. It's a really attractive looking scrambler. It looks like it could actually go off road. It does. Does that have a 19 inch front wheel? It does. It, and that, yeah. Wow. 19 inch front, 17 inch rear. Uh, it's that same, it's only made, it's a 47 horsepower. It's that same sure. 500 CC parallel sure. twin engine. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a big fan of parallel twins, but it looks like I'm going to have to face the reality that there's going to be a lot of manufacturers making parallel twins. It's got a radial brake. It's got spoke wheels. Yeah. It, it looks nice. It does. Um, I could I could definitely get behind it. The styling of the tank and tail section, smooth, flowing, unique, not the same old uh, at all, not derivative. Yeah, there's a, stuff that evokes the, the, BM, or the uh, Ducati Scrambler, but not enough. I mean, the tube frame, there's only so many ways you can skin a cat. I, I like it. I'll be all about it. Yeah, I think. Do you it, think so? You think I haven't read any of this as far as the infrastructure in the United States for Bonelli. You truly think that this is like is this Euro Four stuff? I would imagine you it would, would, be, it would have to it, be because right? it's coming out now. Uh, I think I think honestly they're in that territory where like Euro Four really isn't busting their chops too hard. Hmm. You know, they're not at the pinnacle of, of yeah. their uh, power plant limits and things like that. It's yeah, just sure. does it does it have like enough of a catalytic converter on it? Does it you know yeah. make enough? Is it quiet enough when you when it runs and all sure. that things? Um, but it, it's intriguing, and I think I think that bike is really indicative of where Benelli is. I feel like uh, the people in Passaria are finally getting control of the brand again from the Chinese, and that, you know I think percolating underneath has been a very a t- Italy versus China struggle with that company with that brand. Um, so it's good to see them kind of get back to the roots, and you know looking at how long it takes motorcycles to get developed it kind of makes sense that we're starting to see these, these models come out now, um, you know, cause it's kind of, you know, it's a little on the longer side, but it, it makes sense that, you know, okay. So the Chinese took over, some things kind of got changed around and streamlined or whatever. And then they said, okay, and now what's our roadmap going to be? What are their new bikes going to be? And we're starting to see the fruits of that labor. So uh, hopefully that means there's a lot more cool stuff to come down the road. Maybe we'll see some big displacement bikes again that are, they're, are truly in my mind worthy of the tornado and TNT name. Maybe that's an unfair criticism. Maybe not, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping for good things. I'm really jazzed about Benelli right now. And, and man, if you'd asked me a month ago, my thoughts on Benelli, it probably would have been a different story. Sure. So kudos to them on that. I think they won ICMA to be honest. Huh? That's pretty impressive for you to say it. But yeah. after reviewing these machines, I'd have to agree just, just because it's out of left field, big surprise, well done stuff. Yeah. And from, I believe it's Pesaro. Pissarro, Pissarro. I took French. Sorry. So you said, and, and, and so Cantonese. you have to add the so I two in languages there. that are not doing me any favors. Pissarro, Pissarro. Oh yeah, Pissarro. That's the American. Thanks, Google Translate. <laughs> Okie doke. Just wait until you see what's coming in the next one. Oh man. Okay, Quentin. We should we should yep. wrap this up. Wrap it up and uh, pack it out, and then uh, look for our second part of the Eichmann rundown shortly to follow this episode. Uh, be sure to follow uh, the Two Enthusiasts podcast on Facebook and Twitter. If you're listening to us on iTunes, please leave us a review. 
thank you to everyone who who has already done so. We really appreciate it. You can send us emails at two enthusiasts at asphaltandrubber.com. Uh, we've gotten some great emails from from fans uh, the last couple days or so. And just with all the craziness, we, we are not going to be able to get to it in this show or probably even the next show. But we've got some good stuff lined up, I think, in the quote-unquote offseason. And we'll be answering a lot of those questions then. So uh, just keep it up and keep on listening. And until then, kick stands up. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> good talk. See you out there. Later. Das Boot. Did you ever watch that? No, it's on my Netflix queue. I've never watched it. What is it, like six, eight hours long? Something like oh, that. Was it? I didn't know that. There's one of them that is It's very, very long. I'm pretty sure that's is it. Is it Das Boot? Das Boot. I just know it's about submarines. <laughs> Five hours long, yeah. 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 4.53. I, that was one thing that kind of keeps you away from like, well, it's a movie in a submarine and it's five and some And you odd. know they're all going to die at the bottom of the ocean. Every submarine movie, everyone dies at the bottom of the ocean. I don't know. The Hunt for Rod October, they didn't die. They were floating. All those Soviets did. Yeah. Right. America. <laughs> Sean Connery. Except for Sean, Sean Connery. Sean Connery himself like killed like half the submarine. Well, you know. When, in scuttled. The... <laughs> scuttled. The term is scuttled. No, he, he, he murdered the... Uh... The political officer, and he shot a couple dudes in the worst Russian accent I've ever heard. Apparently, Scottish and Russian sound very similar to Americans. Yeah, because we couldn't tell. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> hmm. uh, pushy galore. Pushy. Pushy. Pushy galore. Ah, try your best. <laughs> try your, your best. best. <laughs> Losers try their best. <laughs> Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Uh, yeah, well, his Russian's better than your whatever. My Connery. <laughs> your I'll Connery. take the rapist for five hundred, Alex. <laughs> what is that from? It's from Saturday Night Live. Wow, it's the Jeopardy therapist. Period. Was it therapist? therapist. <laughs> I'll take the penis mightier. Penis. What is that? The pen is mightier. Pine is penis mightier. Penis mightier for a thousand. Up yours, Trebek. <laughs> uh.